Okay, everyone, welcome to another fantastic episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And uh, we are here to talk about the game against Burnley and probably one or two other matters. Uh, Ray is not here at the moment, but we, we assume that he'll join at some point. But I do have uh, Colin Savage with me. How are you doing, Colin? How are you doing? Great, thanks, Mike. I'm doing great. And we've got also Bernard. Bernard, how are you, how are you doing? Yes, I'm fine. I think Ray's joined us. I've just seen a message pop up, so I think you'll be here in a moment. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, well, it was a, a bit of an anti-climax this game, uh, Colin, because we, um, I think we've beaten them Burnley five, five nil on the last four occasions. Um, yep. it's not really like that. Uh, no, I mean, you know, uh, one of those was in the cup, but yeah, I think that's a, a record, isn't it? Four consecutive five nil. Home victory. Yeah. So you knew something was going to, you know, it's City. You knew something was going to go slightly wrong, but um, you know, it all seemed um, all seemed very bright, didn't it, in the first uh, few minutes? Um, but well, it started off a bit sloppy actually, and then we 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 kind of built up to a good head of steam, and you thought, well, we're going to score any moment, and we did, of course. So um, you know, but that that five ten minutes before the goal really. About the best of playing, really. Yeah, let's um, let's have a look at the uh, the lineup, Bernard. We've got uh, Zach Stefan actually uh, in goal. Uh, Cancelo in his preferred right back slot. Nathan Ake at left back. Um, Stones and Laporte in the middle, and then Bernardo, Rodri, and uh, KDB in the middle, and the front three of Mares, Sterling, and Foden. So, what did you what did you make of that lineup? Yeah, I think I got about eight right, but obviously I wasn't aware of Edison and Jesus being uh, out of the game, so I sort of had a moral nine or ten out of eleven right with that starting lineup. But uh, yeah, it didn't surprise me Sterling playing, to be honest with you. I don't think there's any big surprises. Uh, even Akia expected to sort of partner uh, Stones in the middle, so it was sort of more or less um, what I thought it was going to be, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um what about that uh, for you, uh, Colin? Um, was did you predict that? Uh, no, not really. I, well, I was a bit, little bit surprised, a little bit nervous actually when I saw that lineup. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, you know, Can- Cancelo's perfectly decent. Stones and Laporte. Before we got Diaz, was our first choice centre back partner. We used to rejoice seeing Stones and Laporte. And okay, um, has his moments, but you know, generally does a pretty decent job out out there on the left. Um, obviously, Bernardo, Rodri, De Bruyne in midfield is what you want to see. Morris Sterling phoning up front. I mean, Sterling, you know, playing false nine again is the only worry. Uh, but, but you know, it, so it seemed at first like we'd been a, a little bit disrespectful. You know, it was a game we expected to win and we weren't put, putting the big guns out. We had uh, Ruben Diaz on the bench. Bukai um, Gundogan back from injury. Jack Grealish was on the bench. Sinchenko on the bench. Um, Scott Carson on the bench. Um, Kyle Walker. <laughs> so, um, you know, it seemed like we, we'd left a lot of the first team on the bench. Of course, we've got a game Tuesday night, haven't we, in Bruges, which will be a difficult game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at their side, uh, Bernard, it's a bit weird. I don't know about you. It's a bit weird watching Max- Maxwell Cornet playing for Burnley. 
<laughs> well, he did all right, did he? I mean, I, I was quite impressed with the young man, but uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to, for him to have some uh, a little bit of talent there to sort of make the team up. I was quite impressed with all the overall performance by Burnley, to be honest with you. And uh, again, I, I tried to predict uh, the Burnley team, and I got eight of their guys right. I didn't know me was injured. I think he's always a regular, isn't he? If, he, if he's uh, fit enough, uh, me. But uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't obviously, he could have added something, couldn't he? But uh, the. On the, on the day, it didn't quite work out, but it, why not? Why can't Burnley have these uh, these uh, cornettos and, and stuff playing for them? <laughs> why not? It's, uh, it's fine by me. I think it more more spread around the better in the Premier League. Is that uh, the the chuckles of Ray that I hear? <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here. Sorry, I, I turned up a little bit late. Uh, <laughs> After asking for it to be early, I turned up late. <laughs> well, you're you're just in time, uh, Ray. To we're going to call upon you to tell us about the first the first goal because didn't have to wait very long, just twelve minutes. Yeah, twelve minutes in. Um, the ball was um, it was shot by um, Phil Forden. Uh, it was uh, actually it was a very uh, decent shot from Phil Forden. I think it was Bernardo pop, pops it into Forden. Forden about a couple of yards inside the box. Um, it was a good save from was it Pope? It was a good save from the keeper, I thought, but he just didn't push it uh, wide. He pushed it back and back out. Um, you know, it, it's still in, in in the six yard box, and, and Bernardo Silva was there about four yards out. And he just slammed it home. Um, mm-hmm. Well taken, well worked goal by City. When you're knocking it out wide and then um, putting it in for um, for Foden's shot. Um, and Foden's got a pretty good shot on him. You know, we've seen that a few times with. Um, from corners where Foden's got a really powerful shot uh, on him and uh, it's so it proved again. Um, but Bernardo Silva, you know, almost yeah, vying for the best player in the Premier League at the moment, I think, Bernardo Silva. Yeah, I totally agree. And it was a lovely bit of movement, wasn't it, when, when Cancelo had the ball out on the right yeah. and Bernardo just completely dumbfounded the Burnley defence by coming straight into the penalty area when they thought he was going somewhere else. And, and that set the chance up, really, didn't it? Yeah, Bernard. Uh, so that was the, that was um, goal number one. And um, where were my other four goals? Uh, why didn't they come? <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I thought um, it could have seen it could have seen Burnley score two or three or four goals. To be honest with you, it was uh, one of those days, wasn't it? Uh, uh, I think a few players looked a little bit weary uh, after the international break, and uh, KDB isn't sort of uh, apart from score. Well, obviously we'll talk about that later on, but again, he's, he's a little bit out of it at the moment. I thought, and uh, creative creativity-wise, I thought we were uh, slightly lacking, and it just seemed all a little bit lethargic at times in that first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, Burnley were were they, they give us a few scares, Ray? Actually. Yeah, they they were pressing. I mean, I, um, I'm just thinking at some points in the second half where they were pressing with five or six, you know, two lines of three. And that's not like what you'd expect from Burnley. They just have one or two guys um, hanging up at the top and everybody else is back as soon as City get the ball. But, you know, it, it, the thing is, Burnley regularly get beat 5-0 by City. And there's no point doing the same thing again and again and again and still getting spanked 5-0. So they did something different. They, you know, they, they tried to press us, and I, I think it it works uh, uh, on a couple of occasions. You know, they put pressure on our, our defence, and um, I think they nipped the ball a couple of times. So you know, th- these sort of things, you got to change. As I said, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. You're relying far too much on luck. You've got to make your own luck. And Burnley tried, 
Um, you know, it's, it's a combination of Burnley, I think, doing something different. City not being on the top of their game. You get 2-0 instead of 5-0. But, you know, as I said um, on my channel before the game, I don't care if we win 1-0. It's, uh, you know, it comes off Sterling's bum. I don't care. Right now, all that matters is winning games, is getting the points. Because, you know, uh, we can see from other results, um, these three teams, I said this ages ago, these three teams that are going to not drop too many points. Um, and that's Liverpool, Chelsea and City. And we've just got to keep, you know, um, getting these results. Got to keep winning. Mm-hmm. Writing yes. off Manchester United's title. <laughs> I wrote them off. I wrote them off ages ago. You know, it's actually quite funny. Now that you mention it, um, <coughs> Colin, that's your name. Now that you mention it, it's, it's <laughs> got to remember. <laughs> um, it was really interesting to see. Um, you might have seen it. Was it today? Ollie Holt. You might have seen this from Ollie Holt where um, he, he, about five weeks ago, four and a half, five weeks ago, he wrote something uh, about Ronaldo. It's basically, it's like, you know, the prodigal son is returning. This is after his debut or something. He scored a goal or two. Um, and, uh, you know, he was really, really big in it up. I mean, I'm going to quickly read it out. As Ronaldo walked down the tunnel after his match-winning performance, the sound of Fat Boy Slim serenaded him from the loudspeaker system. We've come a long way together, through the hard times and the good. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to, I have to praise you like I should. That was on the 11th of September. Okay, <laughs> yesterday. This is the <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. Sign a 36-year-old Ronaldo when you've already got great forwards, but you're in real need of strengthening at the back. And in defensive midfield, yeah, that's working out well. And it really just sums up the journey. So you've got to uh, dig, you know, have a dig at them because in, in one month he's changed his tune so much. Um, but yeah, Colin, you're right. I, I wrote off Man United's chances. I said it after a few games. The, the, the difference was they were at the start of the season, they were winning games, but they were leaking goals. And I said, that's what's going to be their downfall. They're going to keep leaking goals. Whereas Liverpool, City and Chelsea, Generally, a keeping clean cheese. Yeah, that's the, uh, the thing about United. They, they, even their own fans, um, they, they moan about this. Uh, their, their midfield, uh, you know, axis of uh, Fred and McTominay, McFred, they call, uh, they call them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad stuff. Um, no creativity at all. Um, yeah, so I'm liking the look of the league table, guys. United falling down nicely. Now, Brighton's still hanging in there, um, Bernard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's been coming this, hasn't it? I think with Brighton, you just not quite just had been a couple of players short for a couple of seasons now, and uh, obviously they've been able to keep players and they've brought a lot of new faces in, didn't they? But uh, no, I, th- I think they're sort of getting the just reward. Obviously, they got you know they're not going to last. They're not Leicester City, are they? Let's be honest about it. They're not going to last forever. But uh, no, I think uh, I think they're seeing the reward now. It's come some some good football over the last couple of seasons, Brian. I think they've been playing some really good football, and uh, I think this season it's paying off a little bit more because he's brought a couple of good players in to add to what was already there. Yeah, good manager too, Mr. Potter. Yeah, I was going to say the thing about Brighton is they're not letting goals in. I think we've got the second best number of clean sheets this season. They've only let five goals in in eight games. Mm-hmm. And, they've, OK, they've drawn a few games, I think, nil-nil. But, and they've only scored eight goals. But that's bagged them 15 points. They've had, you know, only lost one game all season. So uh, mm-hmm. they're doing really well. And uh, 
Long may Man United's demise continue. <laughs> yeah. At the um, same time last season, Southampton were up there, of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Southampton were in fourth place. Just, uh, and, and we were in mid-table. But, I mean, yeah, so you can't, as we say, I don't think Brighton are going to be there at the end of the season, but that Graham Potter is having an impact, isn't he? And they're getting a few goals, which mm-hmm. is always their downfall. I, I love the thing about Man United is, now that Ollie's here, you know, he spent hundreds of millions of pounds. Uh, and I've got, you've got to give him credit because he's managing to maintain United in sixth position. So I think he's doing really well. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, this, that, this time last season, they were down in 14th. So, you know, he's, got, hand, didn't he? he's moving them forward. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> they had games in hand, didn't they? Two games in hand. Well, uh, let's get back to this uh, this game um, for a little while, uh, gentlemen, because um, Mr. Sterling um, <laughs> Bernard has been making a few noises um, and fluttering his eyelashes in the direction of uh, big Spanish teams with no money. What did you think? I think I think the problem is, and obviously it's obviously on on Twitter and all the various social media things. City fans are, are sort of attacking each other over Sterling, but I mean it's just it's just unbelievable. I mean I, that front three, yes, they weren't very good, and Sterling was probably the worst of the three. In all fairness, how he expects to actually talk and say he's going to do, he wants he wants to play, etc., etc. And when he's given the chance to play against, let's not let's face it, one of the bottom three clubs in the league. These are the sort of games where he should actually uh, make an impression and do something. And I'm sorry, I'm not saying any lack of effort, but yesterday. It was just, I mean, how can, how can City fans defend him? How, you know, how can anyone defend him? At the end of the day, he's not doing it. It's as simple as that. So if he's not doing it, uh, you know, who's going to come in for him? Who, who's on that basis? I mean, we know what he's capable of, but it, we've not seen it for a long time now. It's not just half a dozen games. It's a long time. And uh, that front three yesterday, as I say, the, the other two got this excuses. Perhaps for Mahrez, he sulks anyway when he doesn't play. Uh, excuses for Foden, because let's be honest, he's, he's obviously... Had so much pressure on him over the last couple of games to sort of uh, sort England out. I think I think he needed a bit of a rest, to be honest with you. But uh, Sterling's got no excuses. These are the sort of games where he he should be doing it and proving that he's worth a new contract or he's worth staying with the club, and he, he just isn't doing it. Yeah, uh, Ray, Raheem's become a, a little bit of a polarizing figure. Um, yeah, the thing is, you you've got let's let let's let's call them the happy clappers. Let's call them happy clappers who don't like anything negative at all uh, said about City. Anybody, uh, any players, manager or anything, even the fans, um, when they sometimes do something wrong, they just want to be positive all the time. And you you got the other people who want to be negative all the time. You've got to find a, a happy balance. Um, but Sterling hasn't been doing it. I've been saying it for two more than two seasons. And I said, I've said, his num- just looking at his pure stats, his numbers that have been on the decline, you know, going back to the Centurion season, he had goal and uh, assists combination, 29 in the Premier League. The formidable season, he had 27, I think. The following season, he scored 20 goals. And everybody was talking about the 20 goals he scored. He had one assist in the Premier League. One assist. Last season, I think his numbers were down to 15 and 16 combined in the Premier League. It's not good enough. The kid's 26 years old. He should be banging numbers. If he, if, you know, if he wants the money of a KDB, he should be banging in the same numbers. KDB, one I remember the season before, he got 20 assists and 13 goals. That's the sort of numbers Raheem should be doing. If he's getting 29 and 27, 
only a few seasons back. I, I expect him to be getting in, in the 30s. I expect him to be the first team on the team sheet. And Pep keeps picking him and Sterling keeps failing to deliver. And it, I, I'm sorry, but he's, he's costing us. I still look at that Champions League final. Yes. Uh, sorry to hark on about it. But, you know, he, he let us down. Pep forced him in the side, moved forward and who had been doing brilliantly on the left, messed up the, you know, the shape of the team for Sterling who didn't deliver again. So I'm, I'm sorry, you know, if you want the big money, you've got to give the big results, you've got the big performances, you've got to be one of the top players in that side. And honestly, he's nowhere near the best. Yeah, Colin, nowhere near. What do you, what do you reckon, Colin? Something between the ears, something psychological? What do you think? Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the host of another well-known City podcast was swearing everyone blind uh, that the City were off, falling over themselves to offer him a new contract. Uh, the only reason I could see they, they would be doing that is to stop him leaving cheaply, because I can't see. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. But you know, uh, it, it's hard to say, isn't it? Uh, you know, is he is he doing? Is he gone stale? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it a crisis of confidence? Who knows? I mean, we've all probably all been in jobs where we thought, oh, you know, I'm sick of this and uh, you're not giving your best and and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, maybe he needs a new challenge. I mean, I, you know, don't hate the guy. He's done a great job for us. But this season, last season, he, he's just not been at the races, has he? And you know, when, when you you can get away with that, in, you know, in the old pre-Abu Dhabi, Sheikh Mansour City, you could get away with that, but you can't get away with it these days. Maybe mm. Pep needs to give his mate Sir Alex a call because, well, you know, you might, you know, you might not like old bacon face and, you know, and all that. Um, but he knew, he generally seemed to know when to get rid of players. Um, when they were, even when you think, why well, still playing really well? And then you, you know, he'd be, I think, vindicated. Um, and do you look at it and say Sterling's not, this is now his third season, in my opinion, that he's been on the decline. When do you say enough's enough? When do you, you know, uh, he's earning a pretty penny. If, uh, was it Stefan Borson wrote something the other day, and I, I said if, if um, someone offered sixty million, then I'd be, you know, wow, that, yeah. that's, he's worth. He, I think he's worth more on his day. He's better than that. He's, he's worth a hundred million. But I think his decline started actually. Uh, I'll tell you when. Two seasons ago, he started the season on fire, on fire, and he was talked. He was being talked about as one of the best three players in the world. Now, you know. If you go back three seasons, Messi and Ronaldo were still numbers one and two. But Sterling was up there in that bracket. He was playing really, really well. And we're talking about a massive um, uh, deal with Nike, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nike, a massive... They were talking about 100 million over 10 years. It was ridiculous. And suddenly, and things were changing for Raheem as well. The pre- He got a slightly better press. And I don't know what's happened, whether he, he believed all that. He went away with England, came back not as good. Went away again with England, had that little Barney with uh, Joe Gomez, um, and he's not been the same since. So, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what would make him change. But like Colin said, has he gone stale? Is he ever going to be the stunning that he was? Some people want to defend him and say, well, when Aguero was fit and he was playing, you know, that was a different dynamic and Sterling... Um, provided more assists and he fared better because we had a proper striker. Now that we haven't got a proper striker, he's not delivering. I'm, I'm not going to buy that, you know. Um, he's unlucky as well. I mean, I think yesterday there was a chance where Concello came in. I think it was Katie uh, Dinked one across the far post. Concello uh, was sneaking around the back of the defence and the, the actual ball was to cross it 
volley across for Sterling, goes in the box when Marks are steaming in. And I think Cancelo hits it at the keeper, keeper saved it. You know, that, it could have taken that, that little bit of luck, you know, if he'd put that across. Sterling, even Sterling couldn't, couldn't have fluffed it from, you know, five yards out. But, but I, I, I don't know what's going to change. And as I said, if someone offers 60 million, you know, in January or in the summer, maybe City will take it. I think City should take it if they offered 60 million next summer, because Sterling's got one year <coughs> contract. And this is, also, it's not a rant, but, um, final point. A couple of seasons, a few seasons ago, after the World Cup, Sterling wouldn't sign his new contract. And I said, he was, he was moaning about money. And I, I said, City will end up paying him because it's not worth their while to let him go, because he's still a cracking player. But to, he might, he's motivated by money to some extent. He will see out the last year of his contracts and take a massive signing on bonus and massive wages somewhere else. And he'll, I'm sure he'll do that. So he, he had the, he held up most of the cards. Now I think, as I said, if 60 million is offered next summer, City should take it and move on. Yeah, it's looking, it's kind of looking like that because I mean, he's, he seems to be a man with them. Um, with no uh, no rightful place in the team. I mean, they're, they're, we've got better uh, left-sided attacking mids, and he's not a goal scorer. So it doesn't really look. It could be that we're coming to the end of the uh, Raheem Sterling uh, era, guys. But um, um, yeah, his 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 just his um, you know his toothlessness and uh, impotence really you know it really characterized uh, this kind of performance in a way although we did get another goal uh, bernard quite a nice one from kevin de bruyne halfway through the second half yeah i mean i think a lot of you know i don't think maras did much yesterday but i think he was heavily involved in that wasn't he the build up and then obviously the the deflection that ended up back at, uh, at kdb to actually put it in the goal but uh, uh, again, uh, like Mahrez, KDB didn't have the greatest game, but like in the last, I think the last game he played where he scored, uh, he sort of makes up for it, doesn't he? But at least he can put that old ball in the ball in the net, can't he? So he makes up for a sort of a weaker display by scoring goals. But uh, all credit to Mahrez, I think he was uh, sort of the main guy, wasn't he, in the build-up by by uh, by luck and judgment? I think a bit of both, to be honest with you. And I think I thought I thought they were going to give a foul initially, but then I wasn't sure if Mahrez got fouled or the defender fouled him. I couldn't make out who was who. It was coming together, wasn't there? And uh, of course, the ref yesterday seemed to sort of favour us a little bit. I thought I thought that was very unusual for that gentleman yesterday to, to favour us, but we seemed to get away with two or three little things yesterday as well, which uh, would have gone against us normally, but. Uh, Obviously, great back. I mean, you get, you can't. KDB, I mean, that been Phil Foley probably would have done the same. And just a fantastic finish, curled inside that far post. Pope, he's a big lad, Pope, isn't he? But he had absolutely no chance of uh, stopping that. And uh, at 2 0, it was probably more or less finished, although we did have a, a little fright after that. But uh, yeah, fantastic from KDB. And well done, Mares. As I said, he didn't have the greatest of games, but at least he was there when it mattered in the 70th minute. Yep, yep. And uh, Colin, we got a look at uh, Zach Steffen, um, you know, I, I, one more time. He's kind of an impressive young fellow, that. He doesn't get much of a look in, though. No, no, well, you're not going to get much of a look in um, while uh, Edison's playing, are you? Uh, and it was quite interesting yesterday, of course, because at half-time, uh, four players from the 60 side that won the title were presented belatedly with medals, uh, well, posthumously, in, um, sadly, in Harry Dow's case. Um, uh, and one of those, uh, say one of those was Harry Dowd, who was the, uh, had been our first choice keeper, but we brought in Ken Mulhern, 
And Ken Mulhern played most of the uh, 1967-68 season. But uh, so Harry only played a few games. But Harry was always pretty reliable. Um, although the, the, the great comment from Joe Mercer always kind of sticks in my mind. Um, when uh, Harry and May dropped a particular brick, which is maybe why we got Ken Mulhern in. Mm. And Joe Mercer was raging at him and said, Harry, I thought I'd seen every bloody way a goal could be scored in my career so far. He said, well, you've just shown me a new one. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, well, you know, well, he had that fantastic save for Maxwell Corne, because I mean, it just looked like Corne was going to repeat his uh, um, sequence of scoring against us, mm. except for Burnley, bro, this time. Uh, fantastic save. He looks very solid. Didn't look trouble at all. Even you know, even his distribution is—it's not. He can't do that pinpoint, you know, seventy-yard kick that Edison does onto you know Foden's feet. But um, very, very solid. You know, he's very, very capable backup. Yeah, yeah, he is indeed. That brings us to two 0 and that pretty much, um, <clears throat> as 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 mentioned, uh, killed the game. We needed that one, um, but. Um, not really care too much about the performance in, in this uh, this game, guys. I just I'm satisfied with the three points, and uh, um, I'm trying to think of anything particularly note, noteworthy that uh, that happened in that second half. Can't really think of much. Um, I was hit the bar. One straight the bar into with the grazed the bar about the 79th minute with, when he should have really hit the target. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, to be honest, he should have scored there. He should have been. He yeah. should be scoring. And it's a comment I made yesterday. I said. Mares, uh, especially in that second half, he was showing, he was trying to show why he should start games. And what he actually did was show why he shouldn't start games. He just, <laughs> he weren't good enough. Simple as that. He weren't good enough. He was, he was a bit greedy. He was being greedy and, and, and trying to make things happen. You could, you know, if, if, if you were a happy clapper, you'd say he was being positive, trying to make things happen. But it was, it was wasteful. Uh, you know, I've, and I always say, if you greed it and it comes off and it works, great, get all the praise. If you greed it and, and you mess up, then you deserve all the brickbats. And um, you know, it's just not not been good enough. Uh, we'll have a new uh, Algerian kid coming through soon, I think, um, in the next couple of years to take over from Mares. Mm. Well, I, I know in the first, there was one shot in the first half which nearly cleared the third tier of the south stand. <laughs> and I thought it was um, I thought the Algerians were trying to put a satellite into orbit and they're giving it to Mares but uh, yeah, he tries hard I mean, when it comes off for him he's brilliant because he scores those goals he doesn't do tappings does he Mares but you know as Bernard said the whole front three uh, and even KDB till he scored the whole front three were uh, really out of sorts yesterday to, to varying degrees uh, uh, you know Foden and Mares it didn't stop trying particularly, so, um, but, um, yeah, it was just one of those games when they take the three points and say thank you and, you know, I'll, I'll, for, I'll forgo the fifth 5 nil, fifth consecutive 5 nil thrashing the burn. We could have got, you know, our shooting was so poor, we could have got that 5 nil. Man, it could have been 5 2 or 5 3 as well, as well, couldn't it? But, you know, Mara's had a couple of good chances. It, uh, there was one he did put on the bar, wasn't it? Uh, sure. one of the, one of, but Laporte had a decent shot, which, which cleared the, um, just cleared the bar. So, mm. you know, it could have been five, even despite the fact we didn't play very well. And Burnley did play quite well. I mean, I, I like Sean Dyke because, you know, he, he's no, he's no Guardiola, but he <laughs> gets the best out of what he's got, which isn't very much. Mm. Uh, in Premier League terms, of course. 
And uh, you mentioned, I think Bernard mentioned the pressing. That really impressed me because it's sometimes you see teams come and they make a, a sort of desultory press. You know, you get you might get the front three pressing, then the rest of the team dropping off, which leaves that huge gap behind them, which we exploit so well. But what impressed me with Burning, I've seen it before from them, they press as a unit. And you've got to be a decent coach to get your team to do that. So, yeah, yeah it was a strange game. And, and, and best, I say, it, it won't be one we'll be talking about in 50 years' time, will it? Well, I won't be talking about it in 50 years' time. Uh, we'll be talking about it five minutes after this podcast, probably. probably. But, um, uh, Bernard, what was, was a bit um, disappointing, because we kind of wanted to get a good, uh, good look at Cole Palmer. And uh, this is one of these 90-plus-one-minute substitutions where he, he's basically off as soon as he's on. I don't really understand the point of that. Well, it's just to warm him up for the for the EDS game, wasn't it? They went all back over to the uh, to the other stadium and uh, scored a hat-trick, didn't he? So it's just, just to give him a little bit of a warm-up, make sure he didn't uh, pull any muscles or anything like that. So I think Pep was spot on with that, to be honest with you. He did a, he did a wonderful uh, wonderful job with Mr Palmer there, I think, just uh, giving him that three or four minutes at the end to, to make sure his hamstring was OK and there was no problem before he went over the road and, and got himself a little hat-trick. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, let's let's have a let's have a, a look at this uh, league table. And uh, yeah, Chelsea and uh, Liverpool motoring on, uh, Ray. They're going to be a stiff uh, challenge for us this this time. Uh, what do you think, uh, Colin? Uh, yeah, well, they are. We said we, we knew they would be, but you know, we've gone to both those clubs uh, and we've got four points. So yeah, it's early in the season. Um, when they start playing each other, then. Um, Gives us a chance to catch up. But yeah, we, we knew those two were going to be our um, stiffest rivals, I think. Um, Chelsea at one point looked as though they might not be quite as dangerous as we thought they might be. But, you know, we, we know they're going to be dangerous. We know they're going to pick up points. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's 19, 18, 19 Chelsea, Liverpool on 18, us on 17. Then you, you're dropping down to, to Brighton and Spurs and who, who you don't think are going to be there at the end of the season. and Still early days yet, but yeah, I mean, the table's looking, certainly the top three are looking like the three teams that will finish in those positions. Yes, it really looks like a three-horse uh, race, doesn't it? There's a, I know it's only a couple of points between City and Brighton, but there's a real big drop-off in, in uh, you know, quality, I think, after after City down to um, uh, Brighton. Still quite impressed with them. Um, uh, Everton. I wonder if they're sort of taking a little bit more to to their new manager. Um, uh, they seems to be doing all right for for them. And Brentford, you know, quite impressive as well. But uh, wow, look at Tottenham down there in ninth. Arsenal in thirteenth. Tottenham are in fifth now because they beat uh, Newcastle. Absolutely, yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about that. They got their Brucey bonus. They did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Ray. Um, w- w- what do you do, do? Will a dark horse emerge? Do you think from um, from that? No, nope, move on. No, nope. nope. <laughs> You said it yourself. Move on. No, no one's coming. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, gentlemen, what about any matters off the field? Um, yeah, I, I, Colin mentioned something about stiff. I want to hear Colin's thoughts on Mister Jurgen Klopp about what he said about Newcastle and, and partly about City as well. Well, if you've been charitable, you could say that Jürgen's got a social conscience. I don't want to be charitable. If you want to call him a cock, you <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> if you're not being charitable, you should say he should stick to talking about his own team 
and keep his nose out of other teams' affairs. It's nothing to do with him. What did what did he say? No, it's quite. Would he have walked away if Liverpool would have joined the Super League? You know what was his? Uh, you know what what I'd like to know his views on his ownership um, being fined, sanctioned for cheating in the in Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, I'd like to know his views on uh, uh, on his ownership stealing, basically stealing data from Manchester City. Uh, I'd really love to hear his views on um, money laundering, uh, which is, you know, as we know, a terrible crime. And um, the, the two companies, both Standard Chartered on the front of the shirt, Western Union on the, on the sleeve, I believe, both have been hugely fined for money laundering, terrorist financing, drug money laundering offences. So, yeah, I'd like to hear his views on that as well. Colin, why don't journalists ask him? I've never heard a journalist ask him this, any of these questions. Why? <laughs> oh, crickets, crickets. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if Colin heard that, but I, I'm saying, why don't journalists ever ask him? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, their, he's their darling, isn't he? You know, what, what, he didn't, they say he didn't like the Super League, but I bet a pound to a penny he'd have managed in it. Well, he's a hypocritical liar, isn't he? Because he said he would rather walk away than spend the way City was spending. Oh. spending you know, and then he spent 400 million quid in 18 months. Lying <laughs> for <rag. laughs> that's, that's true. That was that was a big item in the news. Any any other um, uh, items, gentlemen? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested if any City players... You know, might go to Newcastle in January. Maybe we can offload Raheem still to Newcastle. <laughs> well, it's got, it's going to be fascinating. Um, he, he, they have really been linked with um, a lot of people who are way, way out of their league. Oh, uh, it, it, that's paper talk. It's a lot of rubbish. I know, I know, I know. And it is people like us talking, which is exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, the, no, that's that, that, that's interesting. Knowing what's going to. It must I be think, very sad. There was a thing on um, on the internet, wasn't there? It was it FIFA 22, and it was a Newcastle lineup. Did did any of you see it? Mbappe and Messi and all this lot in the in the Newcastle kits. It was it was quite funny. That was a, one of the better ones. That was for sure. The bottom line is Newcastle have got rich owners. Okay, not like Jim White. And I know you shouldn't listen to talk sport, but Jim White was saying they're the richest club in the world. They're not. They've got, they may have the richest owner in the world, they're the richest club in the world. And all this rubbish about getting them Mbappe and paying him a million pounds a week and this and that. Let's also be clear, you know, there is such a thing as FFP. And it, it, okay, it, I was going to say it surprises me, but it doesn't really that the journalists uh, and the pundits and everything else talk um, uh, about Newcastle buying this player and that player without referring to FFP. FFP does exist. And there will be a limit on their spending. Now, they might be able to spend a few hundred million pounds, um, but you can't do it in every transfer window. So, you know, it, I think it's going to take them a long time. It's, in my opinion, it'll take them longer than City to, um, to win the league. I think City, we were just at the right time where we could buy a lot of players and get through. Because whatever Newcastle do, you've got a very good Chelsea side, a very decent Liverpool side, and, and a brilliant Manchester City side. And I think we're going to stay where we are. You know, City coming through was around the time that United started to go back as well. You know, when we won the league, Ferguson won it once more, and United have won uh, pretty much diddly squat ever since. Um, they've not won any of the big prizes ever since. Uh, but I think we're not going away, and I don't think Chelsea or Liverpool will. So Newcastle will find it hard, but 
it's going to be interesting if in three or four years' time they can you know, be knocking on the door of the top four and getting in the top four. What happens to Man United then? How much more will they need to spend? How much, you know, will Ollie still be at the wheel? Well, you see, that's the thing, um, the, the sort of disappointing thing, uh, disappointing aspect of that result, um, Man United Leicester, is that, you know, they could, you know, get a, you know, an injection of sense and, and fire all no, they're 100% behind him. They're 100% behind Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, all right. Um, <clears throat> that, I mean, that's really great news. I'm just, um, seeing, a, I was just looking at them being linked with uh, Antonio Conte or Brendan Rodgers, but um, yeah, hopefully that. Um, well, Rodgers isn't going to go backwards, is he? And go to United. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just taking a look at that um, result that you uh, reminded me of there: Ray Newcastle and uh, Tottenham. Finally, Harry Kane scores a goal, and um, Son scores one uh, too. Um, I don't think we're going to be reviving that uh, Bernard in January. The whole Harry Kane thing, though. No, I think that's gone now, didn't he? Tottenham club doctor say he's happy now and he's got to stay and all this, all this uh, rubbish. But I think he's gone, mate. No, yeah, I think I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, I think since it's happened, he's just been a total disaster, hasn't he? He's just been a bit like Sterling. He's just gone off the boil totally. But obviously, it's only a, he can get it back. It's fairly recent, but uh, I can't, I can't see so, yeah, all the things about Haaland again now, isn't it? But. Uh, yeah, another thing which is up, up in the clouds, of course. But, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, uh, the thing is the hurricane thing, because it has gone quiet. You never know. It might just happen. It might just, just spring a surprise on us. But uh, I don't think there's many City fans clamouring for him just at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Colin, do you reckon there's any, any truth uh, at all in uh, those rumours about City lining up meetings with, um, with Mino Raiola for Haaland in, in January? Well, yeah, you'd hope. Well, you'd hope there would be some um, some truth in those rumours. I mean, because I think there's a 65 million euro buyout clause comes into effect mm-hmm. in the summer for Haaland. Uh, so, so obviously that's that's a no-brainer. Question is that the the, the problem is Mino Raiola. We know uh, drives a very hard bargain. I mean, he makes um, Daniel Levy look charitable, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I, I is is that the same rate as a Spanish um, transfer release clause where you pay the the money and it's uh, there, there's no argument? I mean, I still see him linked with uh, much bigger sums of money, but surely you know that um, talk is uh, stupid. Well, the thing is, I mean, a, a club could come along and offer two hundred million, and I've, said, I've always said this: the player can say, "No, I'm not going." And you know, if the release clause means that anybody offering that money can have him if he says, I want to go. That's the way it works. And it's, guess what? The way Raiola's done it, it favours Haaland. If Haaland is basically in a position to say, right, you know, someone offers us 65 million euros or 75 million euros, whatever it is, um, and then he can pick and choose where he goes. So Dortmund, uh, you know, won't, that's why people said Dortmund may try to let him go this summer. If someone had offered some really big money, they could have made more money out of it. But I, I just think it was when when Riola's involved, it was all set for him Haaland to leave next summer at, on this release clause because who stands to gain? You know, if 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 Haaland had left Dortmund this summer and someone had paid a hundred and twenty million, hundred and thirty million, or whatever, they wouldn't have had enough money left to pay Haaland's massive wages, pay Mina Riola, pay Alfinger Haaland, um, you know, Erling Haaland's father pay the milkman and everybody else who's involved in this deal. Um, but next summer, if 
you know, only se- only 75 million or 65 is going to Dortmund. The rest is going to go to Haaland, his dad, and Mino Raiola. That could be somewhere in the region of, it sounds ridiculous, 60 million quid in fees sloshing around there. And then Haaland's going to be on something like half a million pounds a week. So it, whenever, whenever he's involved, these things happen. Look how he's treated Paul Pogba. You know, uh, he got a huge amount of money when Pogba left Juventus for United. Mino Riola, in my opinion, is only looking out for himself. And in the Haaland deal, I'm sure he'll be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, next up for us is uh, uh, Bruges. Um, how are you feeling about that, Bernard? Oh well, yeah, I think Colin mentioned it before. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a toughie. Um, it's been turned into a sort of uh, certainly not a must. Uh, you know, we've got to get at least a draw. If we can get four points, we'll be okay. But we've surely got to go for both wins now, haven't we? We've got to go. Got to play strong. He's got to play his best eleven. I think with this team he played against uh, Burnley, it's allowed him now to put his best eleven out possible. On Tuesday, I mean, some, some guy was saying on, on, you know, they expect Sterling to play. I mean, I would just cry my eyes out if that happens. But, uh, you know, he's got the ability to do it now. But, uh, yeah, they're no, they're no pushovers, Bruges. Uh, they've got some good fans behind. It's only a little small ground, but the, the fans are very passionate. And we've seen it before with City and these away European games. We're a little bit nervy at times when, when obviously the crowd's on our backs at these away games. I know we've got plenty of experience, but, you know, it still happens. It still happens for City even now. So uh, we'll have to be a bit clever because that game against PSG they played, they played very, very well. And it could have gone either way. PSG could have won it. Uh, Bruce could have won it uh, in the end. It was, a, it was a great game. So it's certainly no pushover. So definitely, definitely, even though we've got Brighton coming up after that, I want our best 11 on that pitch on uh, Tuesday night. And, uh, Hopefully we can get the win. It's a tough old group. Sorry. You're still in Paris, aren't you? Me? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in Wolfsburg. Germany I'm in Germany now. I've been working, mate. You attempt uh, for a little trip over to Brussels? <laughs> it's impossible. Impossible for me. Uh, I'm working every day from 12 till 5, uh, doing my shows. Uh, it's uh, it's a long way to Brussels from Wolfsburg. Uh, it's going to be best. I, I, I'm not, I haven't even thought about it. It's got to be Paris's best part of a thousand kilometres, nine hundred odd kilometres. So, Bruce, you know, Bruges is might be four hundred less, but I, I can't really go five hundred kilometres. Watch a game of footy, get back for eleven a.m. and go to work. Just jump um, in the helicopter, mate. Sorry. Just jump in that helicopter of yours. Yeah, no, dinky <laughs> uh, toy. But look, look, honestly, that that group is a really tough group right now. You know, PSG on top, two games, four points. Bruges, second, with four points. We're third with three. Leipzig on zero. Leipzig haven't done really well so far, but really, they've got some decent players, and we don't get a result. If, for instance, if Bruges beat City, obviously we hope that doesn't happen, we're going to struggle to qualify, because you know we, we, we could conceivably draw or lose to PSG, and we'll be on our way out. So we've got to at least, it's a not-lose game. It's a mustn't-lose game. Yeah, Colin, I actually like this situation because so many of the um, group games are a bit sort of meaningless. There's a little bit of an edge to this one, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think Bruges has surprised a lot of people. And, um, and that, that's what makes it exciting, isn't it? Every game counts. Uh, I think when we looked at the draw, we, we saw it as us and PSG walking away with the group, you know, maybe with... Uh, so like 12 points each or something? No, 15 Leipzig. points each. 
Yeah. But um, it's not going to be that way, is it? And, and I think Bruges has been the big surprise. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, that's pretty much everything that I had on my little piece of paper. But uh, are there any other items that uh, we can uh, finish off with, or or are we done? Uh, probably done, aren't we? Yeah, I can hear the the the. the the crickets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the brains, guys. But I think we're, I think we're pretty much. Um, that'll do us until after, um, after, after Bruges. Um, but um, let's uh, thank the guys for for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to that match against Bruges. And as uh, uh, Bernard said, then there's Brighton after that, which should be a good challenge as as, as well. But um, Colin Savage, thank you very much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. And Mr. Charles Deneen, Bernard Deneen, um, thank no you very much for coming on. No problem, mate. Enjoy, enjoy it as always. Thanks for having me. And uh, we've got uh, Ray, uh, late arrival, uh, <laughs> but uh, he came through for us in the end. Thank you very much for being on, Ray. Ah, it's, always, it's always a pleasure to be involved, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll be back with you um, uh, pretty shortly. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. And we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one of us and up the blues.